0: In 1900, an uprising against foreign influence and presence occurred in China. A Chinese secret society known as the Boxers was leading the campaign. Their confrontations with foreign forces in China's capital Beijing, which was called Peking at the time, and the coastal city Tianqin were far more important to the rulers of the late Qing dynasty. The decaying Qing Empire was facing internal and external troubles. When the whole country is struggling and in distress, historical and cultural relics are naturally not protected and cannot escape bad luck. Welcome to this episode of Why We Love Dunhuang. I'm Graham Stevens. 1900 was a year of both glory and disaster for Dunhuang. Previously we told you how a Taoist abbot named Wang Yuanlu discovered a cave that had remained sealed for more than 800 years. In what has become known as the library cave today, more than 50,000 historical items were found. These items date back to as early as the 4th century and as late as the 11th century. They include Buddhist, Taoist and Confucianism manuscripts, encyclopaedia, medieval calligraphies, paintings, Buddha statues, embroideries, silk products and so on. The discovery of the library cave ushered in an era during which scholars around the world have been studying the documents found in Dunhuang. Over time, their areas of interest extended from documents to caves and other historical sites in Dunhuang and their studies have gone as far as covering all the historical items discovered along the ancient Silk Road. This is how a new academic discipline, Dunhuang Studies, came into being. But all of this did not happen immediately after the discovery. Back to Abbot Wang's time. The discovery of the library cave at the Dunhuang Mogao Caves did not attract much attention at all in China. The discovery happened during the same period as the Boxer Rebellion or Hihotuan movement burst out in China. Although Dunhuang was far away from the centre of the turmoil, none of the local governors cared about the relics from the Dunhuang Mugau Caves, nor did the scholars. Not many people by then had ever heard about the ancient Silk Road or had a good understanding of the Buddhist art and literature which was abundant in the area. Unfortunately, Abbot Wang was illiterate and he could not understand the significance of all the books and items stored in the library cave. He never thought even the way the piles were laid out in the cave might have contained some important archaeological information, let alone the significance of the actual writings, the paintings and the other items stored there. But to his instinct he felt something sacred. Just look at the colourful paintings of Buddha statues. He never saw such exquisite religious painting before. So he walked over 50 miles on foot and reported the discovery to the then governor of Dunhuang County. The local, supposedly well-educated officials were no better than Abbot Wang. In their eyes, the documents were just useless torn paper. In fact, Abbot Wang sent out scrolls to various local and provincial officials, but none of them really cared about the relics or asked where those sutras and paintings came from. Abbot Wang was looking for funds to build his Taoist temple. He used to pick up a few sutras and silk paintings from off the top of the piles and send them to local government officials and wealthy families in exchange for donations. A few scrolls were sent to the provincial government at Lanzhou City, but again, based on Abbot Wang's account, there was not much interest from the officials. The Lanzhou government was glad to know that the items from the new discovery were so numerous that they could fill seven horse carts. However, after considering the huge amount of money they would have to spend to sort and transport them to the provincial capital, They just ordered me to watch over them at the library cave without actually paying me anything for doing this. After all, Abbot Wang was an insignificant figure and Dunhuang was no longer a bustling wealthy trading post where at its peak the market opened three times a day. It was by then a remote and isolated settlement in the desert. During the late Qing dynasty, China was invaded and occupied by all the major world powers. The fate of the entire country was at stake, thus nobody would take care of Dunhuang. It was a dark time for the Dunhuang Mogao Caves, the library cave and its contents. Then, in the spring of 1907, a mysterious foreigner came to Dunhuang with a several strong entourage, some camels and horses. He was short, slim, wiry and travel-stained from head to foot. The guy was in his 40s, but looked older, as he had experienced harsh wind and sun in the desert. He had brown hair and cunning eyes. He couldn't speak Chinese, but he had an interpreter with him. He was looking for the library cave and its caretaker, Abbot Huang. That was another man whose name was tied to Dunhuang and caused great controversy thereafter. Who he was and what happened to the Dunhuang Mogao library cave after his arrival is the next key act in the 1,000-year drama of Dunhuang, the largest Buddhist art gallery in the world. We will meet with this controversial man in our next episode of Why We Love Dunhuang. Special thanks go out to the Dunhuang Academy and Liang Zhongdu for contributing to the content of this podcast. If you like the show, do give us a five-star rating or a review. I'm Graham Stevens. See you on the next episode of Why We Love Dunhuang.